as you were talking, I was thinking of all these, what's the plural of cognitive dissonance? Cognitive dissonances? <laughs> cognitive dissonide? Yeah, dissonide, cognitive dissonide. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The problem is, is I know those aren't words, but maybe they're words somewhere else. Yeah. You know. So how are you doing, Bob? I'm, I'm, um, well, it's just going to get more hot in here. Let's, let's, uh, preface it. No matter what we talk about. We're just going to dispense with the niceties because it's going <laughs> to get hot and it's just our base. I just want to brace you that this is as cool as it's going to get. And I don't know about you, uh, but I'm a little hot around the collar. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm literally surrounded in, um, uh, uh, the vestments of, I don't know, maybe some kind of weird insane, it, like slow roll into insanity. You know, we have a lightsaber phaser, which I think is a hate crime <laughs> next to each other. Well, we're all about mutual acceptance here. And then uh, Jesus with a lightsaber, slashing with the lightsaber above the, the actual lightsaber, which I don't know if it's an actual lightsaber, but I'm not going to. Not to do the math on that, and uh, and it's just, it's a it's an interesting little office here. You know, you got a wheelchair in here just in case someone breaks their leg. I recently had a midlife crisis, and I took off most of the books on the shelf that I had not read. Yeah, dumped them in my office, being an impop. Yeah, and I dumped them in, in your office. Well, I read a lot of those books, okay. all the religious stuff. So I had this large collection of religious books of various kinds theology was predominant on my bookshelf and i felt like okay i need to put that behind me well you've got all this sci-fi so it, you know so it really hasn't changed much yeah the sci-fi is less what's a good word ostentatious i i i felt like it's any less religious i'm i'm recovering from a form of religious pomposity Right. Right. Yeah. I know. I and so I'm still religiously curious, but I want to put behind me the period of life of a long period of life in which I felt that I had to be right. That's a good good spot to be in. Yeah. You know, I, I'm the same. I, I'm the same way. I when I was I was at the American Islamic Congress, and part of my job was to not only engage and represent them, but it was to defend Islam. Mm -hmm. And this is before there was all these sort of casual filming of people who were really prepared to defend Islam, like Mehdi Hassan at Oxford. You know? Yeah. And so, no, there was, there's very, I don't know if there's any recordings of me, but there's, there weren't iPhones at the time. And so every, there's, there, there's, there's, I just have to go on the testimony of people. And Andrew Bennett, who was Father Andrew Bennett, who was one of the, the people who I interacted with early in my career. Uh, you know, you you don't know how you're received. And, and I, I pulled him aside when we were having coffee at one of the at the International Religious Freedom Summits or one, know, one of the events. It was one of the ministerials, maybe. And you know, he seemed, he paid me a pretty decent compliment. He goes, God, I mean, you were talking, you were so articulate. And, and you know, you would, you talk about Islam in such a way that it wasn't overbearing, and, but you would defend it well. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, that's part of, you know, Muslims for Muslims was to bring back that ancient uh, practice within Islam to argue well. It's not about winning, it's about arguing well. And that tradition was, is kind of gone, has been shelved. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, two Sunni and Shia could sit down and talk and argue, but it was the ability to argue well, not necessarily who wins. Yeah. And, and so that was something that was a big part of my tradition. And, uh, but I don't do that anymore. Uh, I don't generally, this is the, pod, the, the purpose of the podcast, which I think a lot of the listeners are not a lot of this, but some listeners talk about how, you know, the guests and we all hate each other and we're all trying to sort of evangelize each other or slowly do a slow burn. Uh, and that, that's not the intent. I always feel like if you're defending, if you have to defend your faith, uh, in the sense where you're, 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 you're trying to argue your point, you're really on your heels. Yeah. I, I always feel, and I feel that now, I didn't feel that then it was also part of my job, but I, 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 I just feel look if, you, if there's no compulsion in Islam, then you know, if it's not your thing, that's fine. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that I don't think I'm right. Uh -huh. Um, I do. But I don't think I'm right in the sense that it may maybe it may be good for you. Uh, so and and you kind of have to come there on your own and have confidence in God that that will happen. You know, and so you could put the pieces on the table, and like crumbs, you put them all together, and all the answers are there. But you, you know, and so I, I know I, not, that's not to say that you're not going to pursue things. Like I think you're at a different level with your reading. Uh, you are now as pretty, you know, you got all your sci-fi glam going, <laughs> and, you know, so you got, you know, step to the stars, the United Planets. All right. But I still, I still have the, uh, Septuagint with Apocrypha up there. I couldn't bear it apart with that. Um, and you know, well, uh, the, the, the book of common prayer, man, still one of my favorites. Is there a book of uncommon prayer? <laughs> Is that... Should we draft? I think I should write one. Yeah. Book of Uncommon. Is, does that exist? So, because here's the thing. Wouldn't it be just the Book of Prayer? Yeah. It's like a, a prayer to find a loft paperclip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just seems really strange. Just in case. It's the Book of Common Prayer. So, there's their Book on Common Prayer, the, 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 the Book of, you know, Prayer Adjacent, you know? So, <laughs> like, I don't know what, it's, all these, it's just people feel like they got to, you know, qualify things. I think, and it happens all in all of this stuff. But my office is like a multi-faith madrasa. Oh yeah, absolutely it's outrageous. Yeah, your bookshelf is is well. It's kind of like a book um, tree, basilary, yeah, kind of a thing. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, book tree. Anyway, Lazy Susan. I don't know who can marry. I don't. I think it's pejorative to him. All the Susans <laughs> of the world are going to be like lazy, you know. And you know, I know it was Susan, and she she certainly isn't lazy. I'll tell you right now. How very dare you. Yeah. But what you, know, what you were just saying was, as you were talking, I was thinking of all these, what's the plural of cognitive dissonance? Cognitive dissonances? <laughs> cognitive dissonide? Yeah, dissonide. Cognitive cognitive dissonance. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The problem is, is I know those aren't words, but maybe they're words somewhere else. Yeah. You know. But I, I was, as I was pursuing my Christian faith and ministry, I was slowly becoming aware of 
the existence of certain cognitive dissonances. Um, and it was a long time before I could really come to terms with the fact that they were, they were real. Um, but, but one of them was God is who we say he, he is. Why would he need us to defend him? Right. Right. Like, okay, I'm omniscient, I'm omnipotent, I'm sovereign, I'm all-powerful. Uh, I need you to step up and have my back here. And, and, and merciful. This is the big Islamic thing. Yeah. It's, you, you're kind of, in Islam, you're muddling through life. You, you know, I never claim to be a good Muslim. I, I, I you know, I attempt it. Uh, and I always find it very strange when I sent you some of these guys that these, that, you know, imam, lowercase i's online that are you know, basically just get on and online and they basically say you want to know what glass is good you know uh underwear bad you know they basically are making they're making judgments on what it is to be good or, or a good muslim or a bad muslim I forgot and to they, circle back to the underwear thing and people are soliciting you know uh opinions uh they're saying well what, you know well should i do this should i do that and there's nothing wrong with getting guidance uh, from and, and you know the appropriate person i think um but I think that when it comes to, you know, with most, most Muslims will lie, I think, are not, are not always mercy. Unless you're, unless you're, you know, ISIS, because then you know everything. Right. And, yeah. and I think that that's the logical end to this extreme apologetics in the sense that um, I, by fook or by crook, I'm going to convince you that I'm right. Right. And that my way of seeing God is the right way. And God who likes to be seen the right way will vindicate and justify me. And so typically, you know, in either Christianity or Islam, that doesn't involve picking up a sword or a gun. Um, like, obviously in some cases it does. Well, I mean, there is the attempt in Islam to, uh, to address violence and the whole idea, and I've talked about this with Matthew about jihad and how there's rules of to war. The second, and I'm I'm very strict on this. The second you discard those rules, you start heading towards being on the other side of Islam. Mm -hmm. So you start moving on that side, and once you're on the other side, it doesn't matter. You know? And that's my view. I know there's a lot of Muslims that don't agree with that, but if you if but if you're doing something that is against what is explicitly written out. In the Quran, you're done. Uh -huh. You're done. So, in in my book, you've not you can, you've been claimed to be Muslim, but you're not. So, like, ISIS is a doomsday cult. Plain and simple, right? So they can pray five times a day. They can you know, futz around and salat out and do this, but they they're a doomsday cult. And so, once you start heading in that direction, where you're just, you're picking and choosing and using the Quran as a as a as a salad bar, you are you're really in trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as claiming that you're Muslim, so uh, it's difficult. I I was, and it's it's very it's not something that's that's extraordinary. I was in D.C. working with this this this, this young lady who we were helping with getting to the international freedom world, and we were chatting back and forth, and 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 we got brought got into this whole thing about. About, about ISIS, and she goes, "Well, no, they're Muslims." I, I, I was like, "How can you be an international religious freedom advocate? How can you claim to be Muslim and then turn around and say 
that these guys are Muslim too. So it doesn't make any sense. It goes antithetical to everything. And and uh, she went to her mom, and because I said, is there a doomsday call? It's ridiculous to even say, and she goes, well, there's not a deed that we can't ju judge. And I go, that, that it, it doesn't apply to this. I'll just tell you right now. It doesn't apply to giving someone who's discarding hard, fast rules about Islam a pass mm -hmm. so that you don't have to act. And that's basically what that was, you know? And her mom said, yeah, no, there's a third doomsday call. Yeah. And then she came back to me. She goes, I don't know if that's true. It's like, I was like, I don't know if we could interact, continue to interact, if that's what you believe. Well, I mean, it very much depends on, unless you're agreeing on it, on the term of what specifically defines a Muslim, then there's bound to be some disconnect. I mean, the same thing is very much true in, in Christianity in the sense that, you know, from an outsider's perspective, I would label anyone who... Um, claims to adhere to the legitimacy of the Prophet Muhammad as a Muslim of some kind. Right. Now, I'm not qualifying, are they a good Muslim? I'm not qualifying, are they a traditional Muslim? Right. Like, that doesn't enter into the equation. It's just, okay, they're a Mohammedian, you know, to use the old word, they, yeah. they, they claim to follow Muhammad in the same way that from an outsider's perspective, anyone who claims to um to follow jesus is a christian right and obviously there is a huge spectrum if that's isn't it yeah, well there is it's interesting that you're making that comparison because followers I would, muslims are followers of jesus as he says a prophet so but the idea of jesus as god is is always treacherous i, I think that's the key Mm -hmm. But I think when it comes to, it, it's all in that nuanced, right, element, right? So to a Mormon, nobody else is Christian, right? Right. Right. To, to I, I had a conversation two weekends ago with, uh, oh God, what, Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness. Right? Yeah. And so, because we were talking, I was, trying, I was trying to get them to get, I said, oh, okay, you should get involved in the international religious around people. Is there, I don't think there's any Jehovah's Witnesses there. And they said, wow, we, we don't, we don't attend because we know something, you know, we, we know, we almost like we know better. Uh -huh. And I, I go, this just seems so strange. And they were talking, it's weird because they want to include you, but they're passionate about their ex, about their, about not participating, not participating with like the community to advocate for religious freedom. Yeah. There's a nod conversation and it evolved into you know because they, they i think she i think she was watchtowering me but i'm not sure she, she was talking about you know evil in the world uh -huh. and all this evil and you know why do you why does evil happen and what's going on and you know do you ever wonder why uh bad things happen to good people and i'm like no no i don't she she was like she was like what, what do you mean i go she goes, do you, do you ever, good versus evil? You don't understand how good, you know, why bad things happen in the world? I go, I do, I do. God plays favorites. God plays favorites. That's the yeah. Johnny P phrase. And she aided that. Yeah. She, well, I, I do too. She's hit tool. Yeah, the whole Bible talks about, it's, he's chooses people. I know, right? But the, I have, I have ethical objections. Well, I might have ethical objections too, but, you know, then we get into the whole idea of, you know, for faith, but so I, I would, I think we should circle back to that another time 
um, what's what's interesting to me um, is that there is as during the okay these progressive revelations of religion or whatever you want to call them right have a they follow a pattern so as a christian i would say i strongly respect and honor the jewish scriptures and the old testament right and i strongly encourage you to accept jesus as the messiah right right and then uh, a, a Muslim would say, well, I strongly accept the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures, and I strongly uh, encourage you to accept Muhammad as the ultimate prophet. Mm. And and then a Mormon would say, well, I... I, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if a Muslim would say that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they would say that. So I'll give you... I, I think a Muslim would say, would, would offer... I, 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 and I'm, I'm, I, here's the thing: is that they're right. They're, I'm sure there are Muslims that say that. So, but my, the approach would be: Have you read the Quran? You probably read it. Here, you know, take mine. That sort of thing, and and leave it at that. Uh, general, uh, generally, a, a good way of going about it is, and I've I've done this. I, I don't believe, and that's not who I am. So I I, I always say, listen, you want to. You, know, you want to be religious, you know. Unpacking Islam is very, very tough. But here's the thing: these book, you pick what you want from pick, pick, a, pick one of these books if you want to learn about Islam, and and go from and go from there. Generally, when I teach about Islam, it's like no God but God. That's that's Reza Aslan before he kind of went off the rails. And who is any anybody can argue about Islam? It's Reza, um, but uh, and he's fantastic. But his some of his other stuff, I'm kind of is treacherous. Zealot was a little bit odd. His book, but no God but God. Want to learn about Islam? That's what you, you know, That's a good starter point to learn about Islam. But if you want to really want to get into it, you know, reading the Quran, paper, you know, cover to cover is the way to go. And then you say, maybe this is, maybe I'm into this, or maybe I'm not. Mm-hmm. But I think that anybody who's like, you need to accept Islam, you need to do this, you need to do that. Now you're. You're approaching from a place of weakness. Yeah, but I'm, what I'm saying is that from, in terms of the, theologically the, or d- dogmatically, the texts that are accepted are progressive in nature as long as there is the caveat that the chosen text represents the ultimate authority or the chosen belief represents the ultimate authority. And so what I'm saying is that the Quran, for example, references and pulls from the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures to a certain extent and says that's all good, but the revelation that Muhammad gives us is the ultimate revelation. And so this answers all those questions and ties up all those loose ends. And, And so in the same way that the Christian says that about the Jewish scriptures, the Mormon says that about the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures. The Jehovah's Witness says that about the um, Jewish scriptures and Christian scriptures. I see what you're and trying to do. The Muslim says that about the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures. I mean, I understand what you're trying to do. So every because they're they're ambiguous. Well, every good Muslim should have the, the Torah, should have Psalms, should have Injal, which nobody knows really what it is, but it's a book of sayings of Hazanisa and then the Quran. And the idea is that the Quran is a living word of Allah. So that so that and it it's it because of this it what what, what we what my 
we have called Abrahamic lineage. It's not a building up. It's it's a clarity on this evolution to where humanity needed uh, a down a download of what is, and that's why in an unchanging form. And that and and Matthew and I talked a little bit about this where there's Quran reciters, about fifty thousand of them in the world, and it's all in their head. So the book could be destroyed and we could reproduce it, right? With integrity. <clears throat> and the idea behind that is to preserve in its entirety the word the living word of, of, of Allah, the living word of God, right? So here it is and it's there. And so you and I got into this conversation, I think, over the last week about when we get into the conversation about the about the book. We were talking about straight lines, mm-hmm. and, and so you seem to be there. There, I'm trying to remember the conversation. So the so because we were talking about how the the Bible is changed, and we were looking at this this uh, this passage and and this idea of exclusivity. And so I turn around, and I go, "Well, yeah, I mean." You have to accept the 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 notion. You have to accept the reality that this book exists, and the the individuals surrounding this book, all right, is are were real, mm-hmm. and so not only do you have an individual that has this book revealed to them to provide clarity, but you have a circle of people that existed that are all around this individual to confirm what is. Witnesses. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, wow. You're mentioning that term. I don't know why. But was, uh, and, and so <laughs> it's interesting when we get into the gospels, when we get into all this stuff, which is why Muslims will say that, that this is a corrupted version because no one really knows who wrote the Gospels. We have some ideas, right? And then we have the Q source somewhere, and then what? And then another source somewhere. And so we've got all these different sources floating around, and, the, and, and then we have all these kind of arguments of what the text is and, what it, and these different versions of it. Mm-hmm. But the Quran stays intact. Yeah, and the Quran, at least we have straight lines. And that's as an and as an individual that's you know that that's judicious that that at least is something now you get into hadiths and you get the sunnah and hadith the way the prophet lived and 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 then you get into the hadith the sayings of the prophet can be treacherous depending on interpretation just like the quran can be treacherous on interpretation but at least we have consensus that there was an individual there is a book there were people surrounding these, these individuals. And then from there, there's a lineage. But as things evolve into bureaucracies, then we have four main, four mythos, four schools of Islam, four schools of Islam on the other side, Shia and Sunni, so that's eight total in mainstream Islam. And of course, that's treacherous because we, then we get into governing of those, those individuals' interpretation of the text. Yeah. So um, as I understand it, during um, the Prophet Muhammad's lifetime, uh, the Quran was not compiled into a complete text yet. It was um, mostly oral with scraps of things that were, were being written down. 
right? And then there was a campaign after his death to compile everything. And then about, was it like about 10 years after his death, um, this one caliph uh, decided that he, th there were too many variants. And so there needed to be a single authorized version of the Quran, at which point that was established and all unauthorized versions of the Quran were destroyed. Well, to me, yeah. So, well, it's okay. So the word was revealed in totality. Uh -huh. And Gabriel laid it on the prophet, peace be upon him, right? So, and now this, this, it all, it exists. There's how the prophet lived, which is the Sunnah, right? And that's, that, we, that needed to be verified by a number of sources of how the prophet lived. So, and a good example of this is like in the Quran, it says to pray three times a day, right? But the prophet prayed five times a day. And so it got codified to pray five times a day. Right. So that's an example of, so that's in the Sunnah. And then you have Hadiths, which is clarity on specific elements. So the Sunnah and Hadiths were, those ended up being formulated over, you know, centuries into this is how the prophet lived. So a good example of that would be, um, the niqab or the, the burqa, those things. Okay. Those aren't in the Quran, uh -huh. but that's part of the Sunnah. So the, the wives of the prophet would, would dress in, they'd be fully covered so that no one can look at them and be tempted by them. So it's been looked at, um, by individuals that, uh, part of being chaste, part of being, uh, uh modest is not and, and or and or not feeding into the idea of objectifying women mm -hmm. is to wear the niqab or the burqa that sort of thing uh, so so but that's not in the quran at all mm -hmm. but that needed to kind of be muddled through to figure out where that fits so like my cousin she's in she's in tunisia and she's always so funny because she would see somebody in like in, in the cow or, or, or fully covered in, in like Perkinson. And she would always make me laugh because she'd say, like, if we saw her, if we, like, if we saw her, we would just die. We would just, we'd be over, 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 we'd just be filled with passion. You know, like, and she, and, and, and she would say, that's how prideful do you have to be to put something like that on? And this is, you know, woman look talking about another woman. And, and I, and I go, I, I don't, she goes, what do you think? I go, I, I, you know, whatever anybody wants to do. So I just not forced to put it on. I, I don't care. You know, it's like not my circus, not my monkeys, you know, whatever, however, whatever a woman decides is modesty or, or what being chased is, is like, it's, it's up to her. I, I don't really care. Um, but what's, but that, but that came, that came out of the Sunnah. There's nothing, there's nothing in the Quran about that. There's a lot in the Quran about modesty. There's a lot of Quran in the Quran about about um there's even dispute of of the the uh the, 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 the hijab there's even dispute of what that passage actually means and what the interpretation of it is so that's so but general consensus is that hair cut that head covering isn't is important covering your hair 
there's a number of reasons for that. One is superstition. So like, you know, gins are in trees and the gins are after you. They see your hair, they're going to be over. So, you know, they're just to be so, you know, overwhelmed with how your beauty and they're going to, uh, you know, kind of seduce you or abduct you or whatever it is. Yeah. But there's other things like, you know, the, you know, during that period, you know, Mary, she wore a head cover. They all wore hair covers. That was the, that was the jam. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and Jewish ladies, uh, wear wigs to cover their hair. So, cause all of their men can see their hair. It's the same business. Yeah. But I, so, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to, the, the, the trap is to say, yes, the, 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 the Quran was consolidated years after the prophet. Yeah. As a Muslim, I don't believe that. So I, it, it's the revealed word, just like the Injal or the Torah and so forth. And, you know, Gabriel didn't kind of stutter. He didn't stutter. Uh, so the, the, I think the interpretation is the linking, the, the, the writing down that of codifying of how the prophet lived in the Sunnah and then the Hadiths with the sayings of the prophet and then figuring out how those plug and play in correlate to the Quran. That's the key. But in large part, yes, there have always been reciters of the Quran that have memorized it and I there there was there I think there's a lot of it was very judicious on how those words were and, and were said uh, it, it, because it's important to figure out who is preserving it and then how they are recited. So there's like there's a, this is um, Quran reciter, uh, reciters that that are very nasally. It's very Arab. That's very Saudi. Um, I generally don't go in that direction. Right? Um, there's there's um, all different ways in which to recite the Quran, and there's people that believe it should be a certain way, but it's still the same word. Yeah. So uh, there are very similar beliefs within Christianity, in my experience. Um, so, broadly speaking, like a fundamental evangelical world, one thing that you would hear a lot is. Um, if you take the the Torah, the first five books of of uh, the Hebrew Scriptures, which were supposed to be um, conveyed by Moses, um, those books were so sacred to the Jewish people that they were extremely meticulous about preserving them, and the meticulousness of the way in which they were preserved is um, is gives us confidence that the text has been preserved faithfully from its original source because they were so careful about not letting anything bad happen to it. Right. And so I hear within that world um, lots of, you know, preachers and scholars and stuff like that talk at length about how careful and meticulous Jews were preserving the text especially the torah and in a similar way um the idea of the gospels and the epistles is that they were compiled in a fairly short period of time following jesus's resurrection and um were compiled based on eyewitness accounts and that uh that plus the fact that the whole thing was overseen sovereignly by the Holy Spirit, and this referring to both the Old Testament and New Testament scriptures, gives us confidence 
that regardless of what anybody says, what we have received is the sovereign, authoritative, um, and uh, infallible word of God. Um, so that's the fundamental, a fundamentalist point of view. I, well, I think and must, and Muslims would agree with that. The Torah is not corrupted. Psalms, and then the Quran. Mm-hmm. Injal is tough. That's the Bible or the New Testament. Sorry. Yeah, that's it's tough. It's treacherous because it, it's supposed to be a book of sayings. Hazadisa. Well, the, be the Quran at least implies that sometimes texts are warped to serve particular ends, right? And so it's like, eh, well, it, it, yeah. you just you can't be sure. Well, that's part of. You know, you, like you said, the revelation that you call it, the, the idea that immediately there was, there was, there was an urgency to make sure that whatever was revealed was ossified mm-hmm. immediately. And so, uh, I, and I know there's some, there's some debate. I've seen some stuff online that says, wow, you know, there's different translations of the Quran and there's different, this is a it is there's there's not there's not there's not there's not versions floating out there unless someone is futzing around with stuff i mean it, no because they were all destroyed by this one caliph 10 years after muhammad's oh so you, you're pulling a council nicaea type of situation well no i'm just saying we we don't we don't know like we do one historical one historical oddity about islam is that whatever else might have been floating around we don't really know what it was, but it certainly wasn't big or um, or influential enough to create divergent sects that held onto their own scriptures. Uh, here, so let me let, let's let me let me kind of this like I'm going to kind of quash this immediately. So here is the deal: Islam's not really concerned with versions of the Quran because there's one version of the Quran, the Living Word of Allah, and if you go against it, you're in big trouble where the divergence so it's not like what happened with Christianity they had these Gnostics floating around mm-hmm. and everybody was fussing around with the texts and figuring trying to figure out how divine Jesus was that, that wasn't happening okay the, the prophet's not in the Quran there's nothing about Muhammad in the Quran so what happened though with the difference between Islam and and, and Christianity is that you had a you have a trial of succession get a problem with succession after the death of the prophet. Yeah. And so that's really what happened. And then from there, you get divergent sects mm-hmm. based on how to apply in real time, essentially how the Sunnah Hadiths and, and the Quran. That's, that's really what happens. So the problem is, is that in, and we talked about this, you know, you know, the difference between Sunni and Shiism. We talked about mm-hmm. that, right? So it, very easy, very simple. Prophet has a best friend. Best friend takes over the prayer times when he's traveling away or ill. And then he has this, uh, 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 nephew, right? Cousin and, cousin. And, 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 and cousin marries his, his daughter. And, and then, so you have the family line mm-hmm. and you have the best friend. When the prophet passes away, those that follow the best friend, Abu Bakr, become Sunni. And, and those that follow the, the, the family line become Shia. Was there some, do I remember correctly, that there was some hint in something that the prophet said 
that indicated that he expected things to pass along the family line, or was that not absolutely absent? Okay, absolutely. So, but here's the problem: is that so at, at a place called Golem Call, which is like um like a like an oasis, he made he he proclaimed he made a statement saying, uh, "When I uh, the, when I pass this, this is the failure to go through the family." So, and all this now, you know, it gets disputed because you got power, right? So power struggles. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then, but then you could also say, and you, to use the, the, the you know, part of the Christian parlance is, is that, it, what, what is it when something is meant to be, what's it called? Uh, you know, when, when something happens and you say it's all, oh, it's the will of God. Providence. Pro, pro, providential. And so you could say it's providential that all this stuff happened the way it happened. Uh-huh. But uh, one thing led to another, Abu Bakr, and it ends up being in charge of Islam and uh, the successor, essentially. And uh, and so as a result of that, uh, there becomes a series of successors. And Ali uh, eventually becomes uh, a, an, a, a, one of the successors, but it, it, the damage is already done in the sense that there now are different schools of, and different beliefs. Right. right? So, and... and how pervasive that was and how that evolved is into conflict is you know part of history and everybody can read about it but the the reality is like so i met um uh an um, amari and the descendant of omar and omar was one of the he was kind of a it was a he had consolidated islam under run roof uh and and sunnis like they love him right so uh I don't care if you're Sunni or Shia. It doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Shia, and I, but I'm also, you know, uh, I'm Shmali, So I, I'm like Islam after hours. So we weren't considered part of Islam until 2004. So, mm-hmm. so, um, but so I, 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 I we're we are like esoteric. We kind of look at things differently. And my job was to represent the Ummah. So I've slotted out with everybody. I've. I've lived in everyone's, and not in everybody, in everyone's, but a lot of different traditions with people. And I understand like the beauty of this sort of intra-faith, you know, multicultural Islamic community globally. I think that, you know, you're splitting hairs on like what's cultural and then what's actually faith and all this other stuff, but you can't separate everything. It's all part of one, 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 one whole. Uh, and, and I think, but I think there's a, there's a lot of different efforts to consolidate, just like there was at the beginning. Um, but there's plenty of places in the world where Sunni and Shia don't exist, where they you know, slot out and pray together. I would I, I would argue that that happens in in Ethiopia, for example, or, or a lot of Sub-Saharan Africa. There's there's not, not a lot of sectarian violence there. You know, that's all. A lot of it is a result of post-colonialism. I mean, even in Afghanistan, there was yeah, there was Shia mosques, there was Sunni mosques, but there wasn't a lot of violence going on between between the communities unless it was uh, ISIS or or the Taliban really kind of got in there and they decided, oh, okay, we're going to roll. Would you say that there are somewhere in the world Muslims that have absolutely no awareness or cognition of whether or not they come from a Sunni line or a Shia line? Well, that's a good question. So when I was in Ethiopia, when I was, when I was, when I was down, we, everybody was slotting out with each other. We were praying, uh-huh. uh, to mom, you know, and, and I'm trying to think, Shakir, who was, um, 
who has worked with me in the American Islamic Congress, he would always say, oh, that is, it doesn't exist. We don't do this. He, he was from, um, he was from Addis. He was from, uh, and so, so, um, Addis Ababa. So I, I, we, we chatted back and forth about that. The problem is this is, or the challenge is this, is that you can tell by the way they pray. Uh -huh. So Sunnis generally pray with their arms crossed. Shia pray with their arms down. So that's the, that's a tower. Uh, Shia do the kunut, which is a, the second rakat, the second prayer, they, um, the second prayer cycle that you say, uh, which is essentially it's, it's a, it's, it's a line for Ali. Yeah. You know, so for the first descendant, right? So it's a line, it's a line to him. So, and, and so the problem is, is that, and there's a, and there's a movement. So in the second, second Rukhant, you would, you would go down to, and, 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 and you would, you'd start praying, uh, and go into Rukru and, 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 and so problem is is that you would you would put your hand up and that is a very the second you put your hands up and go into the kunut everyone knows you're shia uh -huh. so when i was in helmand and i was sliding out you know you, you, know, you might you might not do that uh -huh. because uh there there there'd be some taliban guys floating around uh -huh. um I, I've done it. I've done. I've got. I've. I've prayed Sunni way, Shia way, and I don't see a difference from a went as being part of the community. But when I was in Alexa Mosque in 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 Israel, and I was praying Shia style, uh, a bunch of dudes felt compelled to come up to me and say that I was praying wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I was like, oh, so you're the prayer police, right? So then we see, but then we get into it. Yeah. Um, in, in, in Lebanon, uh, I was, uh, I, I was praying and, and I was, I was praying Shia style and I, I, I was, and I was just, I just went into the mosque and I slotted out and I was popping out, popping back out. And, and I was stopped by a group of dudes and it didn't go to blows, but it was one of those things where they were very, very clear on making sure that they, uh, that I knew that it wasn't right what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So, um, and but what are the lenses? So let's look at the lenses. The lenses are in Lebanon. You know, you got Hamas and you, gotta, you know Hezbollah and all these nerds floating around. So anybody who's Shia might be suspect because they're still aligned with Iran, right? Yeah. Um, so they, there's 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 baggage there, right? Uh, when it comes to the Alexa Mosque, you know, there's guys. There's always dudes sitting around the mosque who like think they own the place. There's a, and there's the same type of dudes that, that are just really, really good. So there's, there's people that came to me and said, like, you know, he's okay. What are you talking about? And I said, listen, I appreciate you defending me, but I don't need you to tell me. I need you to tell them I'm okay. It's just okay. Yeah. So it, I, I don't know what the equivalent would be, you know, in, in, in a Christian thing, but like if a Catholic rolled into a evangelical church, do you guys, you know, and, and I, I don't know what they would, I don't know the difference. I don't know how you would know he's a Catholic. Uh, so how would you know? And then, and then, and then, if he was a Catholic, would you, would you? What would happen? I would be hard pressed to think of anything that a Catholic could do in a charismatic evangelical service that would out them as a Catholic. 
besides just like generally looking very uncomfortable. The, the one thing that we did see a lot is that um, because in the evangelical world, there is a heavy emphasis on studying and talking about scripture and having a certain knowledge of scripture. One thing that we would see is people coming into the evangelical church from the from a Catholic background and saying, you know, I, I spent years in Catholic school. I was, you know, catechized or whatever, confirmed, I guess is the term that they used. I never knew anything. I, I never had any idea what it is we believed or what we were doing because I was just like following the the rules. Right. Right. Do they, I mean, um, do they read anything? I don't understand. So in the Catholic, in, in the Catholic church, in our context, there really isn't an emphasis on study. There isn't an emphasis on, um, on reading the Bible. Um, there's an emphasis on, you know, like saying the rosary, right. right? Saying certain prayers and stuff like that. But that comes out of a context in which the scripture was the domain of the priesthood of the, of the cleric class. Right. And so, um, Western Catholicism, Roman Catholicism, you'll recall was strongly opposed to the translation of the scripture into any language besides Latin because they wanted to keep tight control over it. And so, um, people who translated the scripture into other languages, certainly into uh, English, were martyred. Um, you know, uh, and, and that happened a few different times. Um, and so the Catholic Church really, the Roman Catholic Church really tried to keep tight control over the scripture so that there weren't debates or conflicts about how to interpret it. Right. And the Reformation just blew a hole in that. But um, through tradition, they kind of maintained that attitude where, you know, let us handle this, right? And we'll tell you what the right way to interpret it is and what the way, right way to live is. And you just come to Mass and say your prayers and do the confession and we'll worry about the text. That's kind of like, that. that has continued to be sort of part of the tradition for the most part. And so people would come from the Catholic church and they would just be blown away by what they're hearing in sermons and what they're, they're reading in scripture and stuff like that, because they just had no experience with it. And they were like, this is so much more real. Um, and so, uh, that being said, yet we, uh, the beliefs of a charismatic evangelical are so profoundly different than the beliefs of a of a Roman Catholic that there's there's very little common ground. So, for example, the Catholics place a heavy emphasis on um, the transubstantiation of the elements in communion. Really? Communion or um, the Eucharist is is, is a, a really big deal because there's a belief that there is an actual exchange taking place, an actual... The blood in the body, yeah, yeah, it becomes a blood in the body. Yeah, a transformation taking place, and, and there's an interaction taking place that has deep spiritual connotations and stuff like that. For a typical charismatic evangelical, it's just a symbol. Mm. It doesn't, you know, nothing happens. It doesn't, like, do anything, right? You're just drinking. Usually it's, it's grape juice. 
because there's an old tradition of not not drinking alcohol, right? Grape juice and you know a little bit of cracker or bread or something like that. And it's a communal practice that's meant to remember Jesus and bind the community together. But there's nothing spiritually really that happens. And historically, that's a very novel concept. And so um, a Catholic who's still a practicing Catholic would obviously not take communion in that context. Right. Um, yeah, it has to, it has a whole song and dance with a ritual yeah. washing of oils and stuff. And then in terms of like prayers and expressions, though, it's essentially a free for all. So there was this uh, sort of like kind of like live and let live attitude for the most part. Like somebody, one person's praying in tongues, you know, uh, another person's got their hands up and they're waving them around. Oh yeah, no, I remember I, yeah. we were talking about flags um, and it was, it was a free frog. Yeah. Another person is standing with their, with their hands and, uh, crossed, you know, and, and, you know, not being very emotive. That's all fine. You, you kind of pray from the hip, mm. right? There's no rote prayers. So you kind of do what you want to do and worship in your own way. Um, you know, sometimes you'd have the, the person who came in like a Jewish prayer shawl and, or something like that. And you'd be like, okay, that's kind of weird, but it's fine. You know, we're all part of the same family. Right. But I would have to imagine that if somebody went up to the mic and said a prayer to Mary, people would be like, whoa, 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 we, we don't do that. You know, so there are definite limits. Well, the, there's a, you know, the, the team Jesus comes to every Wednesday to the cafe and they're outside and they're doing stuff. They were doing a, a they were popping a quick uh, baptism mm-hmm. on a guy. So they went down to the river, yeah, and did a pop pop a quick baptism. But their uh, the imam, their um, the, the the father, the priest. Are you talking about of the of Team Jesus? Yeah, I, I, one of the guys who was at, who was part of the, who was you know priest. I, I, I just call him minister, I guess. Pastor, the yeah. pastor found out about it and got oh so, the pastor of the church. Yeah, found out about it and and went off the rails right because it is a, there's a there's a process and this is a, the evangelical church so it, and and so i i was like well is can't you guys just do whatever you want and they were like well we think we can and i go and it's like this and that's why we don't go to that guy's church yeah so we don't care if he you know what he thinks and i'm like i couldn't get my i'm like i was like so when if you just disagree this is what you just you just roll on it and i think i I think it's very useful to another church or open up your own church, which is so different. And you know, I think that in Islam, you have this idea of trying your best to adhere to a code of conduct. And the code of conduct has has been given to us with the idea that if you follow this code of conduct, you, you will transcend into the next dimension, right? In, 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 In it, and this is the directions to do so, right? This is the rope, the path. You don't have to, but this is the path. And so to, to and it, I, I would argue that it's not a narrow path. There's certainly a lot of room for interpretation, but the idea that you're going to just take the Quran and run down the road and do whatever you want to do is kind of outrageous. Yeah. And, and so... I, but I don't know of it was just inter- it's interesting because the idea of this of I mean, anything that's post Reformation is sort of like you know free it's kind of it's free so but you know however you want to do stuff but then there was the pastor that 
freaked out about this. Yeah. They said, there's a process. You have to fill out the paperwork. You got to do this. And I, I got to do it. Right. Because he needs to maintain authority of his flock. Right. And right. one of the, like the biggest problems, if not the biggest problem in the post-Reformation world is the problem of authority. So, well, and we, this is what we're talking about, about the Quran. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I go straight line. We know it, the book exists. We know that there, there, that the people exist. We know there's confirmation from a, a, a community of individuals. And we know that there's been a number of things that have been discarded as a result of lack of confirmation from a historical construct, right? And meaning people existed, things existed, and things have been confirmed, right? The lineage behind the Hill confirmed. And that's where authority, using your term, would come from in Islam, right? So that's why there's mainstream Islam, there's the, the there's there's you know eight 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 schools four on Shia four Sunni that are mainstream. There's others, but there's fringe, and so the authority comes from you have to you adhere to these ent ent entities, right? And then the scholars come together. The reason why I say four and four is because that came out of the Amman message. There was a meeting in Amman, Jordan, two thousand four, two thousand five, and and all the scholars came together, and the the leaders of these sects came together, and they all decided this is mainstream Islam. This any they addressed terrorism. They said anybody who does these things is on the other side of this. So there is a, a, a general authority behind what is. And then from there, it becomes, a, it's not consolidated under one authority. But they, but you have these sort of, if you're more liberal, you're Hanafi, right? Uh, in the Sunni school, if you're more, a little bit, if you're, if you're more fundamentalist, you're going to be Hanbali, right? So you get in, you know, that's where you get Salafis and that's where you get Wahhabis from and all these guys. So the challenge is, is that, you, you know, but, but, but when it comes to here, that when uh, Kingston, New York, there's not all, there's one mosque, right? And it's a Sunni mosque, which is fine. Uh, but I don't think that it would infringe upon my rights as a Muslim. I don't see that. But here, there's so many, but maybe if there's 20 mosques, and everything else, I, maybe you would adhere to one or two, or but you wouldn't be going off on your own to conduct. Uh, I don't even know what ritual it would be. Like it would be popping a quick marriage on somebody, uh -huh. unless unless you were a mom and you were doing your, you were, you had writing up the nick of the, the marriage contract and you'd go. With it. You would be doing that, uh -huh. but it seems like these guys just they're just like yeah we can, we, you know if we feel like it we can do it. Yeah, well, um, and they feel like they have the authority to do it. Martin Luther proposed the doctrine of sola scriptura, right. scripture alone. And it, basically what that meant is every man is his own pope. Every man has as much right to interpret scripture as any other man. And no one has the right ostensibly to tell you how to interpret scripture because we're all referring to the same scripture and the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to interpret it accurately. Now, the practical experience of that for the last 500 years plus, saying nothing at all about the text itself, right? Completely disregarding whether or not the text itself is internally coherent. The practical experience of that has been that as a result of that doctrine, Christianity has split into countless factions, all with different ways of interpreting the text, right? That's a fact, right? Right. 
Now, the way that Roman Catholicism handled that um, was to say, no, it's not sola scriptura. It's not scripture alone. It's scripture plus tradition, right? And the authority of the church in the context. So, like, one thing that evangelicals have a hard time understanding about traditional Christians like Catholics and Orthodox is that there is not the same... There, there. This is, scripture isn't as central. Right. It's important. Right. It's very important, but it's not the only thing. Yeah. And and an evangelical or a a, a a Protestant Christian will at least say, Scripture is the only thing that that matters. Then why go to church? Because we still need community. And there are still people who need to have influence and authority over other people in order to feel like they're okay. So, and there, and there are most people still need a leader and they still need someone to tell them what to do. Yeah. So, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I, that covered a lot of different yeah, I don't know. Wait, wait. interesting areas. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, but yeah. And uh, thanks for letting me put on my uh, devil's advocate apologetics. No, I, I don't know if I, I'm going to take it too seriously. Anyways, thanks for taking the time. Yeah.